Hey folks, it's Jeff Wenzel from the Woodshed Agency, and you are listening to my podcast called Successfully Funded. Here we go. Let's turn it up. Turn it up. Yeah! All right, crowdfunders. How is everybody doing out there in crowdfunding land, huh? How are your Kickstarters going, your Indiegogos, your equity crowdfunding? Is everybody raising that money? Getting your dreams going, um, you know, getting people excited, emailing backers. Hopefully all that stuff's going on for you. So get right into it. Today's episode, I've got Gio Portzer from the, and I probably pronounced his last name wrong because that's kind of a trademark, I think, on this on this podcast. I try, but I'm not very good at it. So back to his, uh, he's got a very successful Indiegogo campaign going on right now for um, his company, Sin Stella, and that's S-I-N-S-T-E-L-L-A. And uh, this company has created a new sort of um, glamorous drinking glass or wine glass or champagne glass, whatever, you know. Um, the designs came from Gio's mother and, um, you know, really kind of an intriguing conversation about uh, how to attack a pretty niche market, right, on crowdfunding. Uh, and then as well, how on earth you can work with your mother because I can't comprehend it. So Gio, um, Gio's the master of it. So we're going to get into that a little bit as well. So. That episode, like I said, is coming up later. So what's going on with the negativity in the world right now? There is so much drama. Um, and I, th- I swear, I think it's because the moon is so close. I think the moon is pulling everybody and we're all going, blah, 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 blah. we're all going crazy because the moon's so close, right? Hopefully you guys are enjoying that super moon out there. It's been great to look at, but I think it might be messing up our, uh, our equilibriums or something. So, man, I started off yesterday with, I'm sorry, not yesterday, the last two days, with an enraged um, brother of a client who hired us. Yeah, I know. What? So client hired us and, you know, basically just started to disconnect, right? They're not doing anything. They don't respond to anything. And then all of a sudden I get a brother out of, out of the blue, you know, going all intense on us in terms of like, I want my money back. You know, now, mind you, this is like six months ago that these guys hired us and, and whatever. We work on their project, um, you know. And this is hopefully no reflection of Woodshed Agency. I, I think everybody that really knows us, we're, we're, man, we're, we try our butts off, man. We are, you know, we think about this stuff 24-7. We're obviously on it. And um, so I got this guy, and he's, you know, 6.30 in the morning calling me, 7 in the morning calling me. Then he goes on Facebook, and he just, every everything I've posted, he writes under it, I want my refund right now. I want it right now. If you don't give it to me now, I'm calling a lawyer. It's like, you're not. What planet are you on? What makes people snap like that? I mean, seriously, you know, and, and mind you too, let's, let's, I'll put some more context around this. I don't actually have a contract with this client. This is a, uh, this is a brother of my client. So not even the actual, actual dude. So, and mind you, that guy is not responding to us. So I have that going on, which is some ridiculousness. Um, you know, it, you know, and then I can't stand it when you get into a point of blame, right? Where there's a blame game going on. It's it. What's the point of that, right? You can't point fingers. Everybody's making decisions on the fly, trying to do the best they can. So when you get into a point where you're blaming somebody, what's the point of that? And I, I'll, I'll go back to, you know, if you guys haven't listened, there's a, a Shep Gordon interview on Tim Ferriss, and he's also on on Mark Maron, a couple of great podcasts. So go check those out. But research Shep Gordon. Shep Gordon was the, um, and I've talked about him on this podcast before because he always says these things that are just so amazing, right? So, um, you know, so he was talking about 
how you, you know, to have a working relationship with somebody, blame cannot be a part of it, right? And I totally understand that now. So, you know, you've got to be able to have time to find your audience, manipulate them to a degree that they start to, to manipulate might be a strong word, but you want to start to engage with them to a degree that they start, you know, interacting with your brand and your company. That takes time. You can't do that in three weeks, right? Impossible. It's important that, um, that you have this sort of relationship where, you know, each one, each per- person is growing, learning, trying out something. You can't come back and go, oh my God, you didn't know that these people in this country that you've never heard of don't have credit cards or whatever. And you're like, whoa, 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 what? You know, I, I didn't know that. I, okay, I'll, let me pivot and, you know, change and do something else, right? So really important that to have a successful working relationship with people, you really got to take the word blame out and you've got to work together um, to, you know, to achieve the goal. That's how it works. So go listen to Shep Gordon. If you don't want to believe me, go listen to the master of management, right? He's managed Alice Cooper, all the celebrity chefs. I mean, that's what his career was for 30 some years, right? Uh, some of the biggest stars on the planet, you, uh, worked with Shep Gordon and in all the relationships, blame wasn't a part of it. It was, you know, I believe in you and I'm trying. So go check that out. So a couple other interesting things that, that, (coughs) that have gone on. So I was at a doctor's office the other day and, um, uh, they were, I was, I'm in the waiting room, right? I'm waiting, you know, to get called in and I had to wait for a good 15 minutes or so. And, um, uh, so I'm sitting there and they are playing inappropriate rap music. And this kind of reminds me of the Seinfeld episode where, uh, Jerry goes to the dentist and they have penthouses everywhere. But yeah, I'm in there and they just got, you know, uh, who well, Bone Thugs and Harmony was on there. There was cuss, you know healthy amount of cussing. Uh, then they had um, uh, oh, what was that? Uh, the dog? Y'all gonna make me lose my? I can't think what that guy's name is right now. Then they had some Snoop Dogg. So they like literally had like an almost like a Spotify rap playlist, explicit lyrics. And I'm just sitting there with like grandmas and everybody just sitting there, and we're all just like. What is going on? This is really, really, really weird. Um, I, actually, I don't. You know what? No, I was thinking that. I, what I should say is the nobody else. I felt like was noticing, and man, I just was like, man, this is so weird. What, did, should I say something? Do they? Maybe they don't know. You know, maybe they don't know that they turned on uh, this this music. That could be a possibility, right? So. <clears throat> So the other thing that's kind of been on my mind here a little bit, kind of back to this uh, kind of Facebook and election thing that that is front in mind of I think everybody in the world right now. But um, you know, I was, I, you know, you kind of heard me ranting a few weeks ago about you know, or when this happened about my mom and and her use of Facebook and all that stuff. But you know, I was kind of standing back and going, I really wonder if the centralized blame in all of this is Facebook. And the cookies and the pixel cookies that you put in your websites. So, you know, hear me out on this one, right? So, if you take my mom, mid sixties, getting all of her information from Facebook, living in a, in a uh, Republican small town, right? Um, and if my mom clicks on one fake article or one article that's you know pro Trump, whatever, instantly, my mom is going to be fed in her Facebook feed over and over and over retargeting ads, right? because of that code. So how does my mom or people like my mom actually get out of that equation? How do they do it? They have to have a will and a drive to get out of that, to go click on other stuff. But but that moment, 
so so I've really kind of come down a little bit in terms of blaming. And 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 again, maybe this is the whole theme of this one is just to stop blaming, right? And really look at the fact of like this technology is something that I don't see talked about very often. But this is the technology that that engages and encourages the the bubble and makes the bubble get bigger and bigger and bigger. So if my if my mom when I clicked on a second thing, boom, here's another article. And now and now at that moment you're asking average people to decipher the news and to be an investigative journalist to know each and every fact because why would that article not be a trusted source? Why? How how on earth would my mom be able to do that? Outside of maybe it's just ridiculous. Like the, you know, there's one that, that one Breitbart our, um, headline of uh, um, women who take birth control are ugly and fat or something 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 of that nature. Well, you know, hopefully you wouldn't read that and go, oh, that's right, birth control does do that. Well, you know, um, you know. So I, I really think that there should be a spotlight on this technology. You know, and it's a technology I use. I'm not saying I'm not going to use it, but man. I think that that's truly created the bubble more and more and more. And it's impossible for average people to even know what's going on, number one, and number two, to actually get out of it. So I kind of wanted to throw that out there and let that rattle around in the brain a little bit Um, because, man, it's been in my brain. So, all right, this is what we do every time in in the episodes. I I ask for favors. Jeff Wenzel needs some favors. So I need everybody... If you're enjoying the podcast, enjoying me, enjoying the stories, make sure you tell a friend, you know, go click on it, download it, go to iTunes, uh, Stitcher, RSS feeds, however you get your, 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 uh, your podcast and, uh, and tell a friend, right? Tell a friend. That'd be great. Number two, if you want any, you want to deep dive more into our conversations, join us on our Slack channel. If you go to the website, woodshed.agency, you can sign up. Uh, you just got to put your email in, and we have uh, bigger and deeper conversations about crowdfunding. You know, you can ask us anything. All the founders are on there, uh, myself, Sean, and Paul. So you can talk to us whenever you want. Um, and then third, make sure you follow us on the social media stuff. We got a lot of good stuff out there on Facebook. And uh, you can see my rants. I got some rant videos out there. There probably should be one coming up today, I bet. Uh, but, yeah, so go check us out. And uh, all right. I hope everybody has a great uh Great Wednesday. Uh, And let me go ahead and kick to my conversation with Gio from the Indiegogo campaign, Sin Stella. ready to record here so i'm sitting with geo uh geo, take a minute and tell my listeners uh what your uh, can, uh your indiegogo campaign is 
Hi, Jeff. Uh, thanks for having me. Um, we are uh, we designed a total new glass. It's a total new approach. Um, we basically uh, took away the typical wine glass or champagne flute that you know and uh, took the the bottom and the shaft and the bowl, took it apart and uh, created two different uh, aspects to it, which on the one hand created a very eye-catching thing. And uh, on the other hand, uh, really reduced uh, the, the breakage of the glass. So it has an advantage on two sides. That's the thing that we did here. Yeah. It, it's cool. That, that was the thing that kind of struck out to me right away. It was just the absolute beauty of how this is designed and laid out. It, it, it takes a second because you, I guess, in my mind, at least, I didn't think of it being like a, um, a champagne flute or, or, you know, at first. But when you start looking, you're like, wow, that makes so much sense. Where, where did this design come from? Yeah, um, thanks, for the, thanks for the positive feedback. Uh, it was actually uh, my mother. So we're kind of a very, very small uh, family business. And uh, okay. she's originally an architect. And uh, she only started uh, designing a product um, about 25 years ago. And uh, at that point, yeah, she started creating solutions for uh, things that we use on a daily basis and that should really improve sort of our everyday business. Uh, and it started off with a, with a cutlery, with a cutlery line that we had. Um, it's actually one of the... I think most ergonomic cutlery lines in the world. The only one that I'm aware of that has even left and right-hander parts. And uh, yeah, and we have that in quite a lot of, uh, of, uh, of very famous restaurants all over the world. Uh, I mean, quite a lot is actually the wrong term here, to be honest. It's going to be like 10 to 15 restaurants, but they're spread and they're really like high class. And it was in a deep conversations with them that uh, that uh, we always get the feedback what are problems of them and and they always complained about this breakage of glass that they lose up to one third of their glass and yeah and so she was behind in thinking how could you actually solve that problem and uh, it took several years many different prototypings until she came up with the solution and uh, yeah, uh, now we're there, and uh, after about a year in testing it in New York uh, at, with Gabriel Kreuter, a famous uh, chef originally originated from France, um, we have a lot of information to be able to set up the second now. And uh, yeah, we're currently uh, talking with uh, producers and uh, and trying to get all these intentions and ideas that we got from him into it. That's awesome. Yeah. So you know, so if you were having to describe what this looks like, how would you describe it? Um, actually, I can I can even tell you what was the um, the the idea behind when she designed it. Um, in it's one of our restaurants, more or less, that we have in Austria. It's basically the base of Red Bull um, or Red Bull. Excuse me. I, mm -hmm. I named that in the Austrian way we would pronounce it actually because it's an Austrian company. Uh, right, right. Yeah, so so Red Bull has this former hangar, like um, an airplane hangar, um, very asymmetric, very interesting curves, and that was actually the vision for this for this base, this sort of sculptural base that basically has only asymmetries on asymmetries on all levels and a lot of. Uh, and all those cuts are purposely made in order to break the light 
and to create this impressive brilliance um, that you will have the reflections of the crystal glass inputs that you put in on the table, on the walls, and wherever it's created. And so that was actually the, uh, yeah, the little bit, say, the the motivation behind and the, the point that... Uh, that helped us in creating it or thinking of it. Where actually, when I say we, it was actually totally my mother. So she's the creative <laughs> head, and mm-hmm. uh, I'm working in the other areas. Well, that's cool. Let, let's talk about that then. Like, so what is your role in this uh, in this project? I, um, I actually entered, uh, so to say, the company about uh, one and a half years ago. Um, we used to be a very um, how to say. I always experienced it in a way that our products and the designs that we have have a huge potential but uh, but my mother was rather the person that wasn't going so into the risk of trying to um, to try new marketing methods of potentially changing our sales channels and of really making people aware for example that we really have um, sort of the most challenging partners as clients from from the from the side of the gastronomy and having all those chef cooks uh, worldwide uh, that really are interested in our things and that really use them on a daily basis uh, in most likely the most challenging way they could be used and that and that are that are basically big fans. Mm, I worked in total different field and uh, and and wanted to switch uh, and actually never thought of working together with my mother too. But it was just it was just popping up for us, and it became very clear that we have very complementary talents, and uh, that this could just be used for the best for the both of us. And so now she can concentrate much more on uh, on creating new designs and uh, sort of let's say acting as an R&D department if i exaggerate the term right right and uh, and i'm more focused into all the business administrative side which i've also studied and which has always been my uh, yeah my motivation and my focus and my interest and one of the things now was to start this crowdfunding campaign that i actually thought of already over a year ago but i still wanted our to get more information on the project, to know that uh, we we can really set up quite soon this, I would call it second series or first like real series available to the public that we have now. And yeah, and uh, I'm really glad that we managed to pull it off. And um, I'm also glad that, uh, that, that you found us. I take that as a positive sign and uh, hope that it's going to get into the right direction. That's cool. So, you know, what was your strategy then um, uh, before you launched your uh, Indiegogo campaign, to you know, to go after the the chefs and caterers and restaurant owners, um, I, I would imagine on, in the globe. I, or did you go with more of a, a bit of a more local focus? Well, actually, uh, no. Uh, th- this is totally local focus. Is totally not me. So, <laughs> so always try to rather rather think in in different terms. And uh, to be honest, uh, the U.S. is for me one of the most interesting uh, markets, also in terms of consumerism behavior, uh, openness, um, also acceptance of, uh, of 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 foreign products. I must say, and uh, and as such, I've always I've always very much uh, admired and uh, and looked into this direction and wanted to to get a better hold on the. On the U.S. market, so that has clearly been a focus for me at at, at all times. 
but um, but yeah, um, how, how how did I think of uh, what we did? Actually, uh, to admit, in in the past year, most of my work uh, went together with some some expert that I tried to include into the company. At certain levels, friends that are really good in what they do, and on other levels, also with uh, external expertise that I had to import. I went into, let's say consolidating a lot of elements within the company where there was just a huge potential left behind um just given out of the fact that uh, knowing knowing my mother and the founder of this company and uh, she was in charge for over a decade um she would basically um gift all the things that she does that she does away she's like the type of person she's uh, she's uh, saving the environment uh, she's helping wherever she can she's just glad if people are like interested in things she's she has a very different mindsetting let's say towards the business side and uh, just many elements where there was still a lot of potential left let's name one area just just out of many business administrative areas and let's talk about marketing here for example so basically there was never ever any investment into that or in press relations which i cannot imagine any company having the same type of clients as we and not being present anywhere in any journals or so so this is totally new to us and my duty really was in the past one one and a half years to set that up internally in the background uh, to be able to, when we really step forward now with the crowdfunding campaign, to show to the people that we are actually a good running company with a lot of things to offer and that uh, there is no need to be afraid that we can be a really ideal partner. Uh, I think we wouldn't have been able to, to show that about a year ago. I think people would have, yeah. So that was one of the things. So, so after the initial kind of design is laid out, you know, what's the next step after your, uh, yeah, after you, I guess almost like an R and D type of process, you know, how do you guys stand back and go, all right, this, this is really going to work and then go out and I guess find somebody to make the product. How, how was that process? <laughs> that was really, that was really, that's, that's a tough one. I mean, actually, uh, the prototyping for us, uh, really usually takes very long because, uh, it is, um, um, I'm missing the English term. Um, it is our um, our request, sort of, to our and to ourselves to really create the best, highest quality products. I know those terms are used exponentially by 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 all terms of people, but for us, this is really crucial and fundamental. Also, in the positioning that we have within now, let me say the gastronomic or restaurant community, but in general, how we also want to perceive ourselves as a company. So related to the product that we talk about here, about our glassware, um, it meant that uh, actually coming originally from Austria and Central Europe, um, there is a there is there was a there was a region north of Austria and so, southern former Czechoslovakic Republic uh, that was enormously famous in Europe for glassware. So there has always been, let's say, this background and this knowledge somewhat present within the population. All of this, unfortunately, in the past decades, as it happens to so many regions, and Detroit is one of them on other levels touched with other expertises, where, where <laughs> yeah. things just uh, wandered away. And it happened similarly here, obviously, in Europe. And there is actually just three countries left in Europe that currently are still creating glassware on the highest potential level. That's Poland, uh, parts of the Czech Republic, 
and uh, and uh, Romania, and basically most of the rest wander um, has been going off to China, unfortunately, as it is. Right. And uh, and what we wanted is to obviously have the best possible glassware, and we're talking here crystal glass, obviously. Um, and th- so all our inputs have been made in Romania um, for for this for this product now because they still remain one of the best um, crystal glass producer in Europe, and we wanted to have that. But actually, the base is really interesting, and the base is an optic prismatic glass. This is a very complicated procedure. You must imagine regular glass that is mouth blown and has a, a lot of um, um, a lot of uh, human input and manufacturing aspects. This glass is really a a perfect block of glass, flawless, less, like without any uh, any 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 bubbles in it, like air bubbles or so. It's let's say perfect and ideal, uh, similar to like a marble stone. You must imagine, and then we cut out our base like a sculpture would have cut out in earlier days out of marble his sculpture. Um, so this is very um, an extremely complicated process, and now comes the pity of it. Also for us, it was impossible to find a producer in Europe. At least we didn't find one. If anyone hears this podcast and knows one, please contact us. We would be so glad to come back to Europe. But at the moment, we had to do that in China because the know-how apparently has been gone for so long now that we are not... And I'm not even talking cost-wise here. I'm really talking of know-how. So this is, for me, obviously... A, a little disappointment and a pity. Um, we would have loved to have that differently. At the moment, this is not possible, but we're constantly checking the market to try and come back whenever it is possible. Um, yeah. So at the moment, we have this duality um, where we have the high-quality crystal glasses in there uh, and the base made somewhere else. But, yeah, I must also say it's a very complex, very time in uh, invest, um, very time intense and cost intense process, obviously. So yeah, right. So over the last, uh, you know, it sounds like few years here. Yeah. What's been the biggest roadblock or like the biggest pivot you guys had to make to you know to achieve what you wanted to achieve? Um. <laughs> company internally i would say it was to uh it was to find a way to to get along when working in this uh, family constellation situation um right because obviously that's that's a thing you need to handle at a certain um aside from that and like really honestly speaking now um i, I really think that constantly the quality of the suppliers and uh, and getting the prototypes to the level that this really works it it looks like an like an easy solution basically in saying, okay, how about just splitting up the glass in two and uh, having a lower part and having an upper, having a hole in between and putting it inside sounds very easy. It's like I could have thought of that myself, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, making that technically possible is actually much more complicated because to be able to have the to have that fit um, is um, yeah. We we almost had moments at points where we thought, okay. We, we just have to stop that project because it might just not be feasible to reach the quality that we want to have. Um, so that was that was certainly, I think, the most uh, challenging, the challenging part in the product um, development process. 
So with with quality being at such a forefront, which is a great thing, um, <laughs> how do you envision or manage scale then at that point? Like like what if every wedding on the planet wanted your glass? How do you, you know? Is that achievable with this sort of quality control that you're you're going after? This is an excellent question. To be honest, um, I have I haven't yet thought of dream constellation. Um, we are yet such a small uh, company that uh, that I couldn't possibly think of. Um, I would really hope to reach the the level where we come to this sort of next problems and challenges um and um it's not necessarily that i don't anticipate it at all but i think it would be really trying to grow with the challenge itself thank you for putting that into my head you will be one of the first ones to get a mail from my side and telling you <laughs> now we're reaching that point but for the moment, it, it, it this is really not a question um it's mm. also that our quality has a certain price where Still, I must say, for the quality that we deliver, we actually always try to keep the the costs for our current clients or future clients as low as we can. This is one of the reasons why we currently do not work together with any retailer. Um, having started with Indiegogo, we get several now questions. Now we have more presence now out there in the web. So people start contacting us and they will be like, yeah, how would you not like to work together with us? We currently try to avoid it because that would mean going up with the prices. And we really try to keep it sort of in our web shop or currently now with Indiegogo and to just pass it on, uh, so to say, you know, like the margin to the client so that uh, people will not have to pay an exponential price for these things. Um, and I really want to keep it this way. I don't want to have products that no one can afford. I know it's a quality thing, so we, we will never be able to compete with uh, with the scaleage, uh, with the scales of numbers that I don't know IKEA or Walmart, other companies are obviously having. But I still want to have if people really have a design feeling and if they um, and if they appreciate what they see, I don't want to block anyone from having our products. That's great. So, so kind of my follow up to to that question of kind of pivoting or or the challenges that might have happened. What's been that moment over the last few years that just it you know it was just like the feel good moment? Like you got a great press article, or you know we found the factory, or you know what's been that moment that's just been you know, just super exciting for you guys? You you you. It it might sound weird um, because the because the, because of the fact of how this day is uh, is being a little bit weird given the, the elections going on and no one really knows whether it's a good thing or it's a bad thing or everyone is waiting <laughs> yeah. on that. But uh, but actually in the past two days we had a we had a shooting at uh, at a restaurant in Vienna. They are currently ranked the number nine restaurant in the world. And uh, wow. they are actually client of ours since about a decade. They are the type of clients that we basically somehow lost where I was not yet there. And we didn't really have until now, our, our, let's say, very good customer relationship management with some of them. So we were in interaction with them, but just with some of them very closely. And uh, sort of we reconnected with them via this campaign and just had... Uh, source there in shooting our new products and together with these uh, super famous uh, world uh, chef and uh, yeah it for me as an american football fan which is maybe a little bit unusual for european um i think it's kind of meeting one of the uh, 
top five quarterbacks uh, and spending a, a day with him in like uh, promoting your stuff. So definitely the past two days, even with not a lot of sleeping time, were incredibly motivating for the rest of the campaign and in general uh, working for this company. That's great. So l let's go back a little bit here. So what is your background? Like where, where did you grow up? Um, I've been, uh, I'm originally from the western region of Austria, next to the Lake of Constance to Switzerland. Um, I grew up in Vienna, um, went to a French school, uh, so I grew up basically bilingual. Uh, had an exchange in high school in Boston, Massachusetts for about a year, um, in 11th grade, uh, way too long ago, unfortunately. And, uh, And yeah, and then I uh, then I studied uh, in 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 Paris and in Milan um, business administration in Europe. Um, went into politics, um, coincidentally, never wanted to really be in politics, but uh, happened to land there. And uh, yeah, I was working for the Austrian Parliament and later on in the European Parliament in Brussels. Uh, learned a lot about the systematics of uh, politics and uh, decided after about five to six years that I'm that I could either go much deeper into politics or leave it at all. And I felt that for my for my soul it would be better to leave politics. And uh, yeah, and then I decided to uh, to look uh, to look for a job. And I would have loved to have one back then already, but it was a tough situation. So I was looking for a job, uh, didn't find one for some time, about half a year or so. And then my mother asked me to support her on exhibition. That was the only thing that she did every year. That was sort of her marketing thing, to go on a fair. And uh, so I went there with her to support her because the woman that usually helped her was um, got sick. And it was in that week, basically, when it became totally clear and when it struck the two of us that, uh, yeah, with those talents that we have with the interest that we have with what i'm actually looking for it just makes sense to to work together and uh, i think she never thought of taking me in and i never thought of going there and if that would not have happened uh, we would certainly not be here uh but that one week happened luckily and uh i'm i'm really glad that it was so so that was my yeah that was my professional life in a nutshell <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's that's sweet. And uh, so, working with your your with your mom, what is the uh, most challenging thing about that uh, situation? Because I couldn't imagine it with my mom. Yeah, and I, and I, and I, and I no totally get what. you. I, I totally hear you, Jeff. I, I would have <laughs> I would have said the same up until two years ago or so, or one and a half years ago. Um, I guess the most challenging thing is to. Um, to keep the and and we also really I can say that do not manage that at all times uh, necessarily is to keep the the professional distance between us we we know each other so well that uh, that obviously we talk about business at so many moments and uh, and then it's um, yeah then it's just uh, it's just complicated how do we talk with each other and it's just moments when we're not the prepared to talk about it late night, uh, weekends whatsoever, when we would rather prefer not to have it. And then there's also this um, this this private aspect to it where you just um, yeah, sort of 
we, we don't really fight. We have a very harmonic um, exchange, luckily. Uh, I think otherwise it would be impossible. But still, at the moment, you just have this type of fights or what you're... I behave differently with her and she does with me than our, let's say, professional status would ask for us to behave with each other. And I think it's really those behavior patterns that are at least currently almost impossible to to split up. So if we were to grow as a company and get in more um, additional um, employees or so, um, I'm certain that that would also help our our cause. If, if there would, and do you have any brothers and sisters? Unfortunately not. That was always my big dream. Okay. We don't have Santa Claus coming. <laughs> we call it differently. But I started my Christmas every year with I want a brother. And I never understood why our Santa Claus <laughs> was incapable of bringing me my wish, actually. I got Game Boys and stuff like that, but I never got my brother. Really weird. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Sweet. Let's flip a little bit over to the actual uh, Indiegogo campaign because, yeah. uh, I mean, you've basically uh, let's see more than doubled your goal. So you had a, you had a fixed goal of about thirteen thousand five hundred dollars in in, uh, uh, in U.S. Yeah. dollars. It looks like mm-hmm. here, right? Exactly. Yep. Um, and you've got seventy five backers, and you still have a month to go. So you've, you're obviously trending really well. What was your strategy? And how did you get to Indiegogo instead of maybe Kickstarter or, or another platform? Mm, yeah, very good question. Um, um, I think that in life, I mean, we already talked about the coincidences that happened in my life. I guess that's everywhere. And also this this campaign on many levels is a little bit a mixture of also coincidences this brought, that brought us here. So one of the things is um, certainly a good friend uh, that, I, that I can mention. He started a kind of about... Uh, about a lamp, actually, a very technical lamp. And uh, he used to be the most successful crowdfunding project of Austria. And, uh, yeah, that was very... Very Good impressive, friend, no? very impressive. Yeah, actually, yeah, it is. And uh, and so I obviously uh, exchanged with him sort of on a milestone basis in the, pre- the project and was uh, deeply impressed by the information that I got because it uh, often... Um, went into a totally different direction than I would have thought of. Uh, <coughs> excuse me. In the sense of, in the sense of uh, I would have thought that the campaign starts with that and that and that, or that marketing strategy during the campaign should be that and that and that. And it was, uh, it was actually very different. And uh, the tips and the hints that he gave me were, uh, were quite interesting. And uh, and one of them, for example, was that he said I should really try and uh, collaborate with a with a PR agency in the U.S. Um, because if we really focus that market, and I said this is definitely my focus, we should do that. Uh, and they also had a PR agency, and it's a very huge company, and you are. They, they 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 treat you well. It's okay, but you notice it's different than if you would be, you know, like in a smaller company and be a very important uh, uh, client. So you have they they do their task and sort of they do their job, but you notice that you're that sort of you pay them by the hour and uh, your your amount is fixed. So they will just yeah do uh, yeah. The, the, I, I don't know. I hope I was able to explain with what I said how it is. Yeah. And, and so I definitely, so we definitely did that, and uh, and that was quite interesting for us. And we actually planned on going with Kickstarter, um, but then but then they said that they were about to launch a cooperation with Indiegogo, 
and they could potentially get us in contact with them. And yeah, as such, we 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 got in contact with Indiegogo. It's such a such a good ambience from the beginning on with them, and the support was unbelievable. Um, for us who had not even launched anything yet, and um, also for them, it's it's a risk. I don't know how to whether that's the right term, but they they totally took the risk and supported us on all levels, basically all over the process beforehand and yet now, and so we just had. The feeling that it would be better to go with them. We just felt really well uh, welcomed, and uh, this is how we decided to go with Indiegogo. And uh, and yeah, and we were super excited yesterday that we were uh, featured in their newsletter, for example. That goes out goes out to several million people. That was obviously a great a great deal for us. That's great. And yeah, this is the type of uh, support that we that we dreamt of, and we're really glad that we went with them. So. You know, so what was your then pre-launch strategy outside of hiring the PR firm? Did you guys run any Facebook ads? Did you uh, make a get a mailing list going? What did what, you guys do? Uh, this is a very interesting question. Um, I am most certain if we would have had more manpower, uh, we would have been able to uh, set that up um, even better. Most certainly. Um, from from strategy-wise, we um, we decided when we were certain that we would start a project, um, we, we we decided to go and when about we, we would launch it, we decided to set up a Facebook page as well because we actually wanted to avoid to have a Facebook page in our social media strategy um, for several reasons. Um, but uh, we said if we do... Uh, uh, crowdfunding campaign we need to have a facebook page because it's impossible not to have one so at that about i would say one and a half or two months ago and are quite content with the exposure and the and the success of the page in such a short amount of time and what was possible to be done let's call it this way um what we actually did not do at the beginning was to use uh, facebook ads at all and uh, for some reason, or for different reasons, the time to really experiment with that. Unfortunately, that would certainly have helped our cause even the more. Um, luckily, we met about three days ago with a good friend of mine who is an expert in all ads, Google ads, Facebook ads, and so on. And and he explained so much to us that currently we we have been supported by by a Facebook ad strategy as well. Um, so if I could um, recommend anything to anyone who wants to start a crowdfunding campaign, I would certainly try and uh, inform myself a little bit earlier already and start that potentially already at least, I don't know, uh, some weeks ago maybe to already get a little bit into it. Um, if I could do that again, I would potentially Im improve that even a bit. But I'm still so glad that, that uh, we reached the level that we have now. Um, uh, it went very quick because we had this sort of really expert advisor uh, who supports us in the past days. So that was great. Regarding the mailing list, yeah, obviously we had uh, all uh, all our contacts that we met. That was a mailing list of about two and a half to three thousand people. And uh, as I told you, given my uh, political past, there were also some. Obviously, um, let's say high-profile um, people that in that list um, that I allowed myself to contact for this very important professional project. Um, so I had that, and um, 
And what else? Yeah, the one thing that obviously needs to be mentioned, and with that regard, we were most certainly very different than many other um, crowdfunding projects, aside from the ones that are coming from big companies or that have a huge investment support and so on. But we really decided to uh, to have a, a launch event. Uh, for us, that made sense for so many reasons. So we actually made that not only a crowdfunding launch event, but there was so much happening for us. We changed the company about one and a half months ago. Um, I was put into a different uh, position. So the p- position in charge now is I really took over the the position as like uh, chief executive officer of the company. Um, we had uh, we had this new line of product, these glasses that we announced in general combined with the crowdfunding campaign it's really a lot that we moved to switzerland about a year ago with the company so there was really so many things that made sense to announce at a certain moment to the public and combined with the crowdfunding project that we had intended to launch we just said okay let's just have on the first day of the crowdfunding an event that we will not even call the crowd but like the company relaunch as we called it and and this event was obviously sure, a right. huge support for the campaign. We had it in a really nice ambience in a, in a great palais in Vienna where we got luckily good conditions uh, on, on different, um, on the location and so on. So it, it remained in a, in a let's say, um, financial possible setting for a, for a company that feels like a startup, even though we exist longer, but the feeling is still very much the same. Um, but it was, uh, but it was a very impressive, let's say, um, setting. And we also had a lot of opinion leaders in us on that evening. So that certainly spread the word and the, the articles that we got afterwards. And you already mentioned before, you remember the shooting with this, uh, number nine chef of the world, all those things happened out of this event. So that was certainly a boost for us and a huge support. And I cannot really say whether this applies to all crowdfunding um, um, projects. I, I assume not. But if there are some similarities with what I just uh, said, I could very much imagine that such a such a situation could be could be useful for us. It was certainly. Yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think events can do. Yeah. Events are, are interesting. They, I always find they can go two ways. They can, one way is uh, is really well, like you're describing, and the other way is is people just get a little bit confused. That sometimes if there's like a hey, it's fifty dollars to come do the wine and cheese thing, people are like, oh yeah, I already gave you fifty bucks. No, it didn't go to my campaign. It went to the wine and cheese. I, you know, uh, yeah, a little bit of confusion. So you, so you've got a month to go. If I may, you know, if I may just add to that what you just sure. said, I think that is really interesting. Uh, also, potentially for your for your listeners, because uh, I, I was talking about that with my friend, and this is some insight that I would really like to share. Um, he, he he told me that often during those campaigns, people are trying to. Um, they, they don't focus too much anymore on their own sort of product. They sort of um, go around it. As you just said now, if, if, at least if I understood you right, sort of they, they take the money for the wine and the I don't know what and something else, or, or I don't know. And this also happens sometimes in crowdfunding campaigns. Then people start to just reconsider what sort of small gadgets could they hand out in their perks. Yep. So, uh, just for yep. people to come, I don't know, it might be a pen that will have the name of the company or something yeah. else. And, and and he talked about that with with me as well and i'm 
well aware that we have a that we have a product that starts at uh, $59 now. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, it's not possible to get it at a lower price. That's really the best we can do. We almost give it out for free yeah. during this period um, uh, because it's important for us to get the publicity to that people hear about it. And we also want to give them the chance to really get it at a good price. But he told us, and I really think that was a good hint and a good, uh, good idea and good support, not to waste too much time in finding uh, alternatives for people to to give you like small uh, small budget supports yep. because you should focus at all moments on your thing if you start focusing too much on the chair yeah, or well, the scissors or the pen or the lighter that you give out for yep. for a better for a better bargain then you sort of start making a little bit almost just like fun already of your own product and i thought this was really interesting and i went with it so i cannot fully at that moment obviously say what it meant for the whole campaign but for now, I'm quite feeling good and quite confident, and the feedback from Indiegogo also as well. So it might actually be something that young uh, people that consider to go into crowdfunding should consider. Yeah, you're, you're spot on. Whenever I see, we, we kind of call it a, a tchotchke, uh, is, like the, is like the slang word for it. T-shirts and coffee mugs and baseball hats, and it's like... Exactly. That, that's cool that you made all that stuff, but then you got to ship it all. You got to produce it. You got to make designs for yeah. it. And all of a sudden you realize that you're in the merch business, not in the wine glass business. Exactly. <laughs> it's like, exactly. Exactly. you know, so you get distracted. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, so kind of to kind of wrap it up here a little bit, you know, what does the future look like? I mean, what's the temperature like around the around you and your your mom in the campaign and the, and the company? You got to be feeling great. So, you know, so what happens now for the next month? Uh, yeah, I was just saying, what does the last month look like for you? Um, well, it it was we we definitely put too much on our plate in the in the preparation and before the start. So that meant uh, for for my mother and for me and for the supporting team behind uh, Nihada and Florian and uh, and and all the team that is that is helping us so much. And for us, that meant uh, not a lot of not a lot of sleep. Um, uh, also, at certain moments, just starting to make mistakes that we usually wouldn't do. Um, uh, so if anyone has gotten an email from my side where there were some sentences that seemed a little bit weird, I'm sorry, <laughs> it was due to the lack of sleep. Um, but, uh, but I really think we, we, we got to come back into a more uh, regular, um, um, let's say timing and, and, and lifestyle, um, uh, why it was so intense. And I know people often complain, but for us, it was really the two time zones. So it was really working in the European time zone sort of normally. And whenever the people here will stop working, we continued working on the U S time zone because we so much focus on that market and we had to exchange with the people and, uh, and, and get things going. Uh, sometimes it was just obviously also because we needed more time to finish up what we didn't finish here. So that was one of the things I really think for now it's, uh, it's getting back into a, a normal life, getting a regular sleeping rhythm again, uh, and, uh, and try and uh, do all these great things that are arising, um, newspapers covering us, magazines covering us, uh, all the things that are currently popping up to really, to really try and put that again into a certain mm, structure that, uh, that also fits our, let's say, human necessities uh, in terms of sleep, uh, maybe a little 
almost work-life balance at least. So I really, to be honest, uh, at that point, I think this is this is crucial. Uh, my mother even now basically got sick, has an allergic reaction. I've, I know her for the whole of my life. I've never seen that. So I think those are really reactions of our bodies to saying, okay, that was just a too intense time and let's reduce it. So I really want her to go for a couple of days just off, leave the cell phone turned off. Um, I'm still the young one, so I need to to uh, adapt more and to be more flexible currently. But this is one of the things. And uh, and otherwise, I, I want to have a second round, like like coming back to the campaign itself, I want to have a second round of um, of trying to contact again the friends and uh, and close uh, and close supporters and people that I think that are interested that have not yet supported the campaign. Um, so I will certainly go into that second round, and uh, yeah, hope that our uh, that our um, current status within Indiegogo remains positive, and that they remain also positive to us, and will uh, and will hopefully potentially even feature us, for example, again in their newsletter. And last but not least, um, aside from that, I want to contact some gastronomies and like restaurants who could potentially obviously be bigger supporters. Uh, I'm talking about our, we call it gastronomy perks, but like let's use perks for a usual um, uh, crowdfunding campaign maybe. And to maybe see whether we can still land uh, two to three even bigger fish uh, to fry during the campaign. That would be obviously awesome. That's awesome. Well, well, Gio, I, I appreciate you taking the time out of your day to uh, have a conversation about your really successful uh, Indiegogo campaign, Sinstella. And uh, I just thank you so much, man, for sharing your knowledge and, uh, and telling us your story. It was great. Thank you very much, Jeff, for having me. Uh, great that you found us. Uh, thanks for supporting us. And uh, I wish you a wonderful day left ahead on, a, on, a, on an interesting uh, 9th of November. Yeah, interesting to say the least. <laughs> a, a November that will never be forgotten. <laughs> that might be. I wish you all the best. It was nice meeting you. You too. Thanks, Ben, you as well. Goodbye. Everybody, what'd you guys think of that conversation? Huh? It was a good one. Yep. So, Geo's got a very cool product out there. If you're looking for awesome glassware, uh, maybe for a wedding or um, you know, for, maybe for your house, your fancy dinners around Thanksgiving or Christmas, um, you might want to check out his campaign. So, um, yeah, it's a good conversation. You might also caught wind there too. We talked on November. 10th yeah uh the day after the election so um before we started before i hit the record button we had quite a quite a good banter about um you know some decisions that the united states have made so um all right i hope you guys enjoyed the conversation uh the song that's playing is a song called gray sea um again this was a i don't know if i actually ever released this this was on a, on a collection called the sugar roses collection is what it was on and um, it features uh, me and Jake writing this one. And uh, 
Yeah, this is a real personal song for me, so I hope you enjoy it, and uh, hope you guys have a great Wednesday, and I'll see you all on Friday.